This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emily Reddington. You're listening to episode three. Today, I'm speaking with sex therapist, Kristen Hodson. She's the founder and executive director of The Healing Group, an organization that was created as a way to assist mothers, partners, and family members through their services that include couples counseling, sexual health, and reproductive health counseling. Kristen is also the author of the book, Real Intimacy. In this episode, we talk about how to improve your sex life with your partner and how to talk to your kids about sex. Enjoy my conversation with Kristen Hodson. Welcome, Kristen. Yeah, thank you. I'm super glad to be here. So I found you through Instagram and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure what rabbit hole I was down, but <laughs> I ended up on your account and it just has been really inspiring to me and I've just learned a ton. Uh, I'm 30, almost 35 and mm-hmm. I just found myself thinking, why don't I know these things? These are things I should know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's been super helpful. And I guess I just wanted to start and talk about uh, married sex and talk about how maybe we can turn somebody or a couple with an okay sex life or a pretty good sex life into a great sex life. Well, I thanks all for, I'm glad the rabbit hole took you over to my Instagram. Um, the whole hope is to empower people like you to become the experts of their sex lives. Um, I really want to help them. The, the whole thing is to empower parents, partners, and people, because one of the things I have found, well, so when I wrote Real Intimacy, let me let me give a little bit of context to our discussion. Mm-hmm. When I wrote Real Intimacy, a lot of couples would read it and they're like, they would resonate with the information. They would realize they had a lot of gaps in their own sexual health education and that they were similar to you and being like, why do I not know this stuff? How did I not get this information? And then they would all of a sudden look at their children and go, okay, if we don't know this, mm-hmm. how do we help them have a different experience? Um, because they they could, a lot of people can struggle or fumble through their, their late, I mean, their whole life with sexual health. But then when they get married, they find themselves fumbling even more because now they're needing to merge their sexuality with another person and they, and they, they run up against things that they didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so the whole thing with Instagram is while I am an expert, I really want to empower people to take the information that's relevant to them and their circumstances to take what's helpful and discard the rest. And that's, a really key thing when it comes to sexuality that a lot of people can feel insecure in their Mm -hmm. sexual health knowledge. So if an expert says you need to do this or that, they'll be like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Instead of be like, okay, I agree with this piece, that piece, not so much. And, Mm -hmm. and to truly filter that information through their own 
knowledge of themselves, their bodies, their circumstances. Um, and that's important when it comes to sexuality and marriage, uh, because everyone's seen the magazines when they check out at the grocery store Mm -hmm. and you see these headlines and you're, and for some people they can be intrigued for others. They're like, well, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Others can be like, I know my partner wants to do that, but I don't want to, or I wish my partner did that. And I don't know how to communicate that or we're not having sex. I mean, there's so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of couples don't know how to navigate it because they weren't given the skill set. And I use the word intentionally. Um, They were not given the skill set to be able to navigate that with another person. Totally. I completely agree. I think that uh, I think I have seen that play out in my life, my friends' lives, just entering into marriage with a general knowledge based off mm-hmm. of uh, magazines. And I mean, I guess I did get a small amount of sex education in high school, but just very, very vague in general. Yeah. And that's, that's the case with majority of people. If we, one of the biggest things I do with people is when they have that feeling of, I should know this, um, I will counter that with, actually, you shouldn't. Most people got one to two hours, maybe five of any kind of formal or meaningful sexual health education. Hmm. And especially because we live in an abstinence, we're, we're pretty much in an abstinence only country. Mm-hmm. You have different pockets in different states. Um, you have a few religious organizations that have taken upon themselves to implement curriculum like the OWL program in the Episcopal faith. Mm. Um, It's called Our Whole Lives. Super cool program. But there's really no reason for anyone to know this information. Um, The statistic that a lot of people find alarming is between kindergarten and 12th grade, people get 17.2 hours of education related to sexuality. When you contrast that with reading and math and how we're getting uh, information every day. Our kids are learning how to read. They're starting with the letters, then putting letters together to form small words and putting words together to small form small phrases. And it builds on each other. Mm-hmm. And that knowledge has depth and breadth and nuance. If you are getting approximately one hour and 10 minutes a year you don't really have the capacity to develop to develop depth and breadth and nuance as it relates mm. to sexuality. That's so um, interesting. It is. And and so that's I I encourage every single person to to increase that number in their own home. Give your kids more than 17.2 hours. Give your relationship the time it deserves so that you can have a healthy uh, and robust sex life cuz that's another myth we can come across is that either people have good sex lives or they don't and the lucky ones just got it and Mm. if you didn't that's just too bad definitely and that's that's not true um that if people's desires line up if they both want sex the same amount they're the lucky ones right um and that's that's just not the way it works however because we don't talk about sex because it's taboo we're Mm -hmm. all left to think that we're the ones that are not normal or that our marriage is broken or we're weird, all these different things. Mm -hmm. So where do couples normally, when they come to you, 
where are they stuck the most? What kind of place are an average couple that is in a, they would say they're happy in their marriage, but mm-hmm. maybe not in this portion or they're just kind of stuck in something in this portion. What's the most common place where you feel like they get stuck? The most common would be discrepancy in desire, meaning mm-hmm. one, you have a high desire partner and a low desire partner. Okay. And there can be conflict surrounding that of lower desire partner either wants the high desire partner to chill out mm-hmm. or high desire partner wants low desire partner to have to want to have more sex and they can believe that the problem is just that they both have different desires and while that can be true um, I find that sex is often a symptom of other issues such as they're they're probably not talking about this they probably don't understand what desire is and that there's different kinds of desire but what we're taught when it comes to desire is it's spontaneous and just kind of falls out of the sky Mm -hmm. and that that's what normal desire is and so what starts to happen is as couples start to unpack what's really going on and learn more about what desire is and how it's causing conflict in their marriage, um, they can start to bridge that gap and start to negotiate and have conversations that they've never had. Um, And another one is orgasm Mm. because there hasn't been a priority around female sexuality. Uh, A lot of people don't really understand the clitoris and its role in pleasure and orgasm. And, and so there can be, you could also fold that into desire because if you're not mm-hmm. experiencing pleasure or orgasm, you're going to be like, I don't, I guess I don't really care how much we do this because mm-hmm. it's fine. Right. right. Like, it's great. It's okay. But I'm not, I'm not getting out of it what you're getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm not hungry for more. And mm-hmm. um, so those are some of the, the biggest things. So when you ca- encounter couples that have different levels of desire and I totally can see just all the stuff that builds around it that if they're not talking about why they have that different level or that it just kind of touches all other places as well. Um, what do you usually start with, with those couples? What, I guess to get them on the same level where they see each other and they don't just see you're not here and I'm not there. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, because we can start to attach all sorts of meaning, right, to Mm -hmm. what them not having desire means or what them wanting sex more means. And Mm -hmm. we can have these narratives that we start to build around this situation that becomes our truth around it. Um, And so one of the very first things I like to – so my approach to couples work stems from Susan Johnson, which is emotionally focused therapy which is really starting to couples oftentimes get into cycles. And if they're able to understand their relational cycle, then then we can start to disrupt Mm. that and give them a new healthy cycle. Mm. So one of the first things is to help them start to hear their partner's experience with the problem. So if we, if we are both seeing this problem, oftentimes couples are so wanting their other, the partner to to hear how they're experiencing it, mm-hmm. that they're not pausing to, to listen to how their partner is experiencing it. So 
I want to slow the process down so that they can hear, sometimes for the first time, truly how this person is experiencing it. And the word we'd use that we hear often from Brene Brown would be empathy, mm-hmm. to start to develop empathy with the other person's experience. And then when you can start to understand each other's experience, then you start to become each other's ally instead of each other's enemy. Mm. And you can both say, we have the same problem, but we're experiencing it different. Can we now develop a shared goal that we both want to experience pleasure and satisfaction and a robust sex life? Mm -hmm. And when you have a shared goal, when you have increased empathy, couples can can really change what's going on. And then that's where the education comes in if teaching them how to have sexual health conversations don't that don't result in a fight. Right. That don't result in um, trying to tell the other person that their reality is not true. To teach them what desire is and what desire well, I don't say what it is not, but to start to pull that apart. And when you start to combine these things in an office, couples can start to, they come to you because they have, they're experiencing uh, a pain point in their marriage. And why they are coming to you is because they're hoping for some relief or something different and better. Mm -hmm. And that's what therapy can really give people. And it doesn't have to be the, I think the myth is, is that it takes months or years Mm -hmm. and it, it really doesn't. I've had couples where, we identify the problem, we increase the empathy, we do education. And after two sessions, they're on their way. So some problems take longer to unpack, Mm -hmm. because they're more complex. Mm -hmm. And others, for example, I had a couple, they were, they'd been married for 20 years, they had four kids, their, they came because their marriage, their sex life, they wanted their sex life to be spicier. And I was a young, I was like the new sex therapist at the time. So I was like, oh, this is so exciting. I'll give Mm -hmm. you all the tips and tricks. And I didn't pause to really understand what their experience currently was and what they meant by spicy. So I sent them home with all these tips and tricks and they came back and they were pretty disappointed. And so when we did more discovery, it turns out she had never experienced an orgasm because she didn't know about the clitoris. He didn't know about the clitoris. Oh, wow. And so we did all that education. And then they came back the next week and they said, you know what? We are good. Our relationship (laughs) is plenty spicy. And off they went. But I I had assumed that because she, they were parents of four children and had been married as long as they were, that they knew the anatomy. Right. But um, I have in my master's level course, so these are graduate level students, um, majority of them don't know what a vulva is. And and we're talking, so, so I guess intelligence yeah. and age and experience doesn't necessarily equate to someone's knowledge with sexual health. Wow. So I guess I'll jump to one more part about married sex that I want to touch on because I've seen it happen with people around me and even just in my own life. Um, when couples are going through stress, so let's say that's a new baby or um, financial stress or even mm-hmm. grieving um, some sort of mm-hmm. family death or um, it seems that I think that we all respond to stress differently. Um, some one partner may want more sex because it's comforting and another may want cannot even fathom that that is 
a solution to the problem. How how do you bridge that gap? Or do you do you how do you honor each other? I guess I want to ask in those situations. I love that you use the word honor each other. Because I think there's a lot of things that we do in relationships uh, for our spouse, for our partner, that don't come from a place of wanting or desire, where Mm -hmm. we're like, you know what, I'm going to take care of you, because I love you, because I can see that's what you need. Because as a partner, and I'm married to you, we're going to figure this out together. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to sex, we can have a different set of rules Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And so the the place of honoring, um, couples can also get stuck around the rigid ways in which they can get sexual needs met. Mm. Meaning that it can only be this one way. And if it's not this one way, then it's nothing. So this all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So when, and I love that you bring up grief and response to stress because sex can be very soothing. Mm-hmm. It can be something that can bring a lot of comfort. Um, and sometimes that can get a bad rap of you shouldn't need that or, Uh, We can get into these ideas with our partner that because they need that, that there's something wrong with them. Mm. Um, And so, again, to have couples, really when we come from that place of empathy and we start to challenge some potential rigidity around sexuality, we can start to develop creative solutions that bring us closer and connect us instead of put a a chasm between us. And when couples start to realize, oh, we don't just have to be doing traditional intercourse Mm -hmm. or um, something that's really important is a lot of women may not start off with wanting to have sex, but as they get aroused, which arousal and desire are different, but as they get aroused, then they realize they want to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes leading with a willingness and openness because the relationship is good. I'm not, I'm not talking about couples or relationships where there's inherent manipulation or abuse, Mm -hmm. but healthy, good couples Mm -hmm. to, to where we can meet each other's needs in different ways and to recognize the times and seasons of sexuality. uh, Because the kind of sexual relationship people had when they were first married to after they had that first baby to after they have that third baby or when their eyeballs deep into teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we have our individual aging bodies and medical issues and health issues. Sexuality is changing the entire lifespan always. So when people get stuck on the kind of sex they had when they were 20, mm-hmm. they're really missing out on the opportunity to create, different and potentially better sex in the stage they're having now, mm-hmm. um, which really does come from creative solutions. I love working with parents that are trying to navigate their sex life during the reproductive years because they just haven't had anyone to talk mm-hmm. talk with about all the different ways they can navigate it and realizing that they don't necessarily want to take two hours on a sexual experience that they're okay with a quickie Mm -hmm. or maybe finding creative times in the morning instead of night. Mm. Um, A lot of couples go and do a Friday night date. They come home and then at 1130 they initiate sex and one person's really tired and they wonder why their sex isn't good. 
Right. Um, so I, I guess it, to, to kind of circle back to that question of bridging that gap, it, it really does come down to increasing communication, um, developing empathy, and confronting in yourself the ways in which you are willing to meet your partner's needs. And does that include sexuality? Because it's, hmm. it's also a myth that men are the ones with high desire. I work mm-hmm. with plenty of couples where the women have high desire or after a traumatic or grief experience or a loss or death, the, the man, the man isn't interested in sex and women are at a loss of how to connect with them in that way. Mm, So, uh, so it goes both ways. It's not, it's not necessarily exclusive that, that men hold the desire and women do not. That's just the cultural narrative we hold. And also the idea that sex is totally dependent on erection. Mm. Um, it, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And so it's all of these, it's all of these things to help couples think differently and to be in a room where they can talk about it. Even with, even with Instagram, the thing I'll circle back around is if you are learning something from the posts I share, take that insight and, and turn it into an action, like actually apply what you're learning from here to improve your sexual relationship. Uh, Because if we're just learning things and we're not applying it, Mm -hmm. then it does nothing. But then, then that means we have to be willing to risk a bit. And Mm -hmm. that's the other piece with couples is I have to help them learn to risk. uh, Because that can be really vulnerable when it comes to sexuality. But I help couples, they'll want their sex life to be better, but they want to stay as comfortable as they can. And you usually can't, you usually are going to have to step out of your comfort zone and risk and move into vulnerability to improve it. Yeah, that's, that can be scary for sure. Especially if you've been in a pattern where, you know, everything is comfortable, (laughs) may not be great, but it's comfortable. It's Um, comfortable. I I can see how that um, develops. Yes. So where would you, where, where are your favorite places to direct your clients outside of, I guess I would say outside of the bedroom, uh, uh-huh. to learn about their bodies, things to do, um, yeah. how things work. Do you have any favorite resources where you direct people? I do. My, my number one book for everybody is Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. Um, okay. it, it deconstructs desire, arousal, anatomy, all of these things that are re- really critical. And I, but I'm a big fan of Emily Nagoski because I love both her aud- audible version. She okay. is the best narrator ever. <laughs> and I like to take notes. So I have the audible and the hard copy and okay. I reference it regularly. Okay. Um, so that's a favorite. I just came across the fun quiz called, I think it's called Up Your Mojo. Okay. And it's this quiz that you take a quiz on the things you're interested in when it comes to sexuality and then your partner takes the quiz and then it you get to see each other's results which oh, can create so a conversation yeah um and learn something new about each other so it's like up your mojo app or something like that which is really fun okay um the the Susan Johnson she's got one and I'm going to blink on it Susan, Susan Johnson, Sue Johnson has a great book. Is it, it's like a seven 
seven ways to make your marriage better okay or something like that recommending books are tricky because yeah. some people have a different set of values and so you can give a recommendation and it can be not at all what they're looking for okay so these are some that I find are generally accepted Ian Kerner's he's got two one for for both partners one is called passionista mm-hmm. and the other and I'm trying to remember what this one is called. The one passionista is for, oh, she comes first in passionista. Okay. Good Those ones. are really great. And they're short reads, really short, accessible reads. Okay. Um, so these would be really good, just initial starting points mm-hmm. for resources. That's great. Thank you for sharing those. And I'll just link them all in the show notes so that um, everybody can check them out. Perfect. Okay. I think we're going to hop to kids, teaching kids about sex. I, there was one of your posts that really struck a chord with me about this, but so I want to make sure I get to that. Um, but I want to ask you a first, a couple general questions. Okay. Um, why you kind of touched on this. Why do you think it's so important for parents to parents and specifically to talk to their kids about sex? Well, because they're, the kids, kids need and are hungry and are wanting information. And we really don't get the choice of if our kids are going to get the information, we get the opportunity and the choice of how they're going to get this information. That the reality I had as a parent is I may not want my kids to have a smartphone or a device, mm-hmm. but their friends do. Um, mm. I've got my, my 10 year old boy has friends where they've got iPhone 10s with full access to YouTube and Safari. And so I had to really, I've really taken ownership of the kind of education and information my kids are having because go back to that statistic, they're not going to get it at school. And even if they were getting it at school, I really want to be the go-to source Mm -hmm. for my kids. And I want parents to be that for their kids too, because the research does show the the kids want the information and the discussions with their parents that I also am an advocate for having sex ed in school, but I don't think it needs to be either or I think it can be both. And that the education that you can get at school can enhance conversations at home and Mm -hmm. conversations you're having at home will allow kids to navigate what's going on at the school. So I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. Um, but kids need this information to navigate more, so much more than the talk. And I put that in air quotes mm-hmm. that we all think that we mm-hmm. give them at eight years old about intercourse and where babies come from. They need so much more than that. So where would you start? Uh, I have a seven-year-old and I think I'm at a crucial point. I and mean, we talk about babies and we're I'm very specific about all those things. I've kind of accumulated a large amount of books uh-huh, that's because awesome. I feel like if I have the knowledge, I'm going to do it, but I'm kind of paralyzed, honestly. And so I uh, just want to know, where would you start? And I guess with that, when do you say the word sex to your kids? That's a gr- I, I love everything you said. I first want to applaud you because I tell people to have more books on sexual health than they do cookbooks. Um, so the fact that you have a lot, good job. Mm -hmm. And the, you're really going to have to, part of what you're, what I assume you're coming up against is your own 
development around sexuality, how you, how you mm-hmm. were approached or not approached around sex, mm-hmm. all of that. When we start to have kids, we have to confront our own issues and our own discomfort yes. and our own embarrassment. And that's usually where mm-hmm. we can find ourselves being stuck or paralyzed is like, ah, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that I would have to say the word sex as early as I am, or I didn't think they would even ask me a question like that. And right. so it causes us to take a step back and have to confront our own stuff. So yes, the first thing I like people to reframe is that rather than having one talk is to have a million one minute talks across the lifespan. So the very, I'll I'll have a lot of people reach out to me and say, Oh, you know, I only have an 18 month old. Do I need to take your course? And I say, yes, absolutely. The sooner the better, because with changing Mm, diapers and giving baths, you're already interacting with their whole body and we Mm -hmm. are already sending messages and, and shaping a narrative around how they feel about their body, how they feel about their genitals, how they feel about mm-hmm. their gender. We're, we're already laying this foundation. So the more that we can start and plant those seeds, those conversations become a normal part of raising our children and a normal part of being in our home. So they, it, it's not something taboo for them. Um, yeah, so important. And in, in one of the things I do in my course is I have people s- start with what are their values? What are, if, if we want to be, so with your son, you're like, oh, I'm paralyzed. I have people start mm-hmm. to get really clear and concrete about what's their why? Why are they, why do they want to talk to their kids about sex? What do they want to give them that they didn't get? I have them go through a whole series of questions and to, to be able to articulate their values around sexuality, not just ambiguous feelings, but what, how do they feel, which then becomes their North star or their guiding principles and how they're having these conversations with their kids. Uh, the next thing I have, or I help people discover is what, what do we teach them? Like what is age appropriate? What is developmentally mm-hmm. normal? Yes. That is huge because you can have a seven year old. So you can have a seven-year-old, but they have missed stuff that they needed to hear when they were three or four or five. So we need to go mm-hmm. back and give them that information and then keep mm-hmm. building. So you can have, mm-hmm. I can have a 24-year-old and they missed everything. And so I need to go back and, and teach them what they missed developmentally. Yeah. So the next thing is, what, what is it? What's normal? What are the conversations you should be having so that you can have both proactive lead the conversations and know how to respond to the questions they're having. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a big, parents can get caught a bit in, well, they're not asking me these questions. I'm going to wait until they ask because they'll show me that they're ready. You are going to have some kids where their personality is that they will never, ever ask you or talk to you about this ever. Um, I have one. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And every family usually does. You have the the child that wants to know Mm -hmm. everything the one that Mm -hmm. just doesn't want to talk about anything, some in between. Um, So you're going to have different plans and approaches Mm -hmm. with each kid. Some, the kid that wants to know everything, um, I also Mm -hmm. teach that you can respond and delay giving that information of, you know what, that is a great question. I want to talk about that with you when you're 10 years old or when your dad gets home or so Mm -hmm. that you can slow the process down as well as, 
lead that conversation despite their discomfort that we need to have all of those. And then, and then the last thing is for parents to develop skills. If parents have the skills, like if they, if they know their values, they know what is age appropriate and developmentally normal. Mm-hmm. And then they're given the skills and they practice the skills of leading these conversations, how to respond, then that is what I believe leads to the confidence of being the sex expert in your home, that you are empowered to do this because you don't have to have a master's degree to do this. You just need to be Mm -hmm. willing to have these conversations and engaged because kids are okay. If a parent says, you know what, I don't know, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Um, They just want to know that you're a safe place that they're not going to get in trouble and that they can ask you. Mm-hmm. The 90% mm-hmm. of what I help parents do is work on their their reactions so that they're not yeah, shutting the conversation sure. down. Uh, yes. Kids are so patient. And, and there's so many other things that we tell our kids that we don't know. But we can, catch, we can mm-hmm. be caught in thinking that there's this whole other skill or rules, set of rules when it comes to talking to our kids about sex that are different than the rules of all the other parenting mm-hmm. we're doing. Totally. So I think you talked about how we have to deal with our own stuff yeah. before we talk to our kids, which I completely see because, you know, I get these books out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about sex like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and I also think that what you said about um, your values and the way your why really can tint the way you talk to your kids about it in a lot of ways because and just who you are as a person I find myself reading this book and how it kind of the words that it uses feel not like how I would say yes just not how and that's what stopped me honestly I was like okay well I wouldn't say it that way but I I think the more that I'm listening to you the more I'm thinking that's okay I can just change the words yes just say you know, we're going to skip this page and here's what it says and you can read it on your own yep. and here's how mommy says it or here's how it feels like to me or something like that, which is empowering for sure. Uh, because at first you can be like, that's not me. I don't, I don't connect with that. Yeah. And what I love that you just did there is because they put down some words, you were able to then be like, I wouldn't say it like that. I might say it like this. And you then, Mm. it gave you a platform to figure out what it is you would say. So maybe the book isn't how you want to say it, but it moves you to what you would say. It causes you to think about how would you share that differently. And you beautifully just listed all these other options you could do of, we're not going to read this page, or this is what this is, this is what you heard over here. But in our home, this is what we believe and how we think about it. Mm. You, you mm-hmm. as the parent get to do all of that. And so that's where, where it is so important for parents to know their values. Cause then they can navigate through all of it and not be turned off. Very rarely does a book meet 100% of our standards and expectations, but there could be mm-hmm. 70% of a book that we love and 30% that we don't. But do we throw out the mm-hmm. 70% we don't love because 30% doesn't, or do we throw out the 70% we do love because 30% doesn't resonate? I don't, right. I've got cookbooks where I will never cook a certain portion of those recipes because mm-hmm. either I don't want to go to the level that it's talking about or, but there's some that I really love. And so yeah, that I'm glad you feel empowered in that because that's, 
that is really all it is, is if you have your why, then you can filter through and, and shape the messages that happen in your home. Okay. I want to jump to the Instagram post. And I think it was pretty recently that you posted about the importance of boundaries and creating an environment, environment of sex positivity, because I think that's something that I personally growing up felt all the boundaries Uh and I know they were important and I know they are important, but I think I maybe lost the creating an environment of sex positivity or I, I didn't get that. And, um, I think it just really affects things. So I would just love to hear some examples of those together boundaries and creating an environment of sex positivity. Yes. So sex positivity is dependent on healthy boundaries. Part of, of sexual health. One of the key cornerstones or pillars is our boundaries because boundaries show and shape in a relationship where we begin and end boundaries. Um, they are not brick rules. Oftentimes we can see boundaries as all of the no and don't do this and don't touch Mm -hmm. that. Boundaries, when done well, are guideposts. They're guides Mm. to having healthy interaction with self and others. And so when we have Mm. these boundaries, we can both have the boundary and guide our children. So the, the common example that parents will come to me is with masturbation, that their child Mm. is touching themselves out in the family room and they don't want to put an, an, on any unnecessary shame and, mm-hmm. and they don't want them touching themselves out in the family room. Right. That's a great example of where you can have the both end of, Hey, yes. so we touch ourselves in it. You can go touch yourself in your bedroom or you can go in the bathroom, but we touch our private parts mm-hmm. in private places. And it, okay. and it's, it's the redirecting like that. And then they start yeah. to learn how to engage in these relationships, which is so important because if we just give them free reign, we're not really setting themselves, we're not setting them up for realistic or healthy expectations in relationships. Every relationship True. has boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you really, I think of it like jumping on the furniture that we can have a really positive home. I don't let my kids jump on the couches. So to any parents that do mm-hmm. choose a different example, because this is zero judgment right. on jumping on furniture. Um, yeah. But if kids are jumping on the couch, you know what? We don't, you can go jump outside. You can go jump on the trampoline, but you can't jump on the furniture. And parents find that they're like, oh, well, yeah, of course, obviously. The same thing is with our sexual health is if we know our why and we know the boundaries that we want to have, then, then we just shape it. And I, it's finding the and instead of the either, or either I let them touch themselves Mm -hmm. in the living room or I sentence them to their room or just tell them no to stop it. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be that way. Yeah. Well, you have a, you have a book that you are currently writing about this, correct? Well, it's taken an interesting, it's taken an interesting turn. Instagram's actually taken this turn because it's made the book, it's made the material come alive in, in more ways than I anticipated. And the Mm -hmm. moment you put a book out, it's, it's a funny process. The moment you put a book out, it can already be, there's already more you want to say, or you want to say it differently. Mm -hmm. And so I'm shifting the way that I want to share the information um, to okay. make it so parents can really take 
the lessons or the information that is relevant to the ages and stages that, and the issues that they're presented with. Um, mm -hmm. So that is coming. But the yes, you can talk to your kids about sex. Course one is being it's going to I'm going to re-release it first of May. And then part okay. two is going to be released mid-May. Um, and you can't do part two unless you've done part one. Oftentimes parents want to tackle the specific issues that they have that are mm -hmm. going on in their home. But if you have the fundamentals, then you can really navigate all the different issues that come up. Um, part two goes into specific topics so that parents have more of the information and education in an environment that That's feels great. safe. Okay. And those will come out. You'll post about this uh -huh. on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I guess it's time for the end of the podcast questions. You've had so many good things to say. I couldn't stop talking, <laughs> but I would love to ask you just a handful of questions. Okay. Who is someone or something that you would like to illuminate? So there's actually an organization that I really like called it's Golden Gate, Gold, Golden Gate Bridge. Um, and it's an organization in Utah led by students that is a pro-social organization for bullying that they're trying, instead of just oh, trying okay. to prevent bullying, they're trying to do the proactive, how do we make kids feel safer and belong and feel included here at school? What can we do to make that happen instead of just prevent bullying? And mm. I'm totally inspired by these kids and this organization and how they're preparing um, teachers and parents to get involved. And so I, I need to look up, I'm, I have the name sometimes I swear with short term or with parenting, my short term memory of retaining details like this just goes away, but I will send yes. you the full name. Cause I, I am in love okay. with this organization right now. Awesome. Okay. What is one thing you're loving right now? Uh, one thing that I'm loving is I get to live in Costa Rica right now. So we're doing this interview um, awesome. across, you know, all the, all the countries. And yes. I am, I'm loving being by the ocean, honestly, and watching regular sunsets and, and yeah. having this time with my kids to regroup and focus. And I'm loving that. That's wonderful. And so you can see you're like really close to the ocean. I'm about a mile away. We have to, we okay. have to drive to it. The a mile, mile away is, is <laughs> a mile. so great. Yeah. It's close. A lot closer than Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's wonderful. Um, okay. So this podcast, it actually started out of a supper club and we love food. So we just were wondering if you had any recipes that you'd like to share with us or just yeah, your favorite thing. So this is my favorite question um, because I'm secretly, like in my next life, I want to become a chef. That doesn't mean I'm a good cook. Oh, nice. I am not. Right, but right. I, you just love I it. I love it. And, but the recipe yeah, that is too. my go-to for my mm -hmm. kids love it. When we have family over, they love it. And it's called lemon pasta. And okay. I will type up the recipe. But in general, all I like recipes that have high flavor and... Mm -hmm are low ingredients and minimal prep. So this just mm -hmm. requires uh, pasta, nice. butter, garlic, lemon zest, lemon juice, and cream. And it is Yum. wildly good. And you put it with some French bread and a salad and it's so good. 
Oh, that sounds wonderful. Awesome. Okay. If you could choose, what would your message for the world be? That you are you are okay as you are. I think we get a lot of messages that mm. tell us that we need to be more than we are, that we should be doing all these things and that we are not enough. But mm-hmm. um, to really stop and pause and start to shift that and that you are enough and you are good as you are. Thanks so much, Kristen, for coming on the show and sharing so much knowledge. I interviewed Kristen a couple months ago, and since then, she's released a couple courses online, and she's moved from Costa Rica back to the U.S. Big changes. You can find more information from Kristen through her Instagram account, at Kristen B. Hodson. She is seriously such a huge wealth of information and support for those looking to learn more about themselves and improve their sex lives with their partners. She's so sex positive and just really uplifting. Go check her out. She has a link tree on her Instagram profile that will get you to her courses and so much other information. I hope this interview inspires you to take action, to talk with your kids, to make space to try new things with your partner. I know I learned and was encouraged during our conversation. You can find us on theilluminatepodcast.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks for illuminating, Kristen, and thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great week.